Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 67. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we are excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed filmmaker, Asif Akbar. Asif, that's true. It's, it, you are internationally acclaimed. That's not... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Barney. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still kind of uh, weird to hear that sometimes, you know, like right. I, I look at myself as a you know, filmmaker. And then when you hear international, it's like, wow, I guess yeah. that's uh, pretty important. Maybe it sounds important. Because yeah. <laughs> so I mean, thank you. I, thank you. you're welcome. Because I was listening to some of your previous interviews. You said that you have some things that um, that you, 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 you can't you can't really chat about yet because they're in pre-production. But some of those are are on hold based off of COVID restrictions in different countries as well that, that are yes, going to be yeah, planning and on. Yeah, they so. are international projects. Uh, you're right. And one of the, yeah. like the big one is... Um, MR9, which is an adaptation of an international uh, top-selling um, a book series. It's uh, based on the Masud Rana uh, novel series out of Bangladesh that's been right. publishing since uh, 1966. And still today, they're publishing books. Uh, they have over 500 books in the series. It's kind of like uh, Asian James Bond uh, right. series. Uh, so that's something I'm very excited about. And we were in development and pre-pro uh, right before the pandemic started to uh, go into production last year. But because of, you know, the pandemic um, and it being a multinational uh, film, we were shooting in three different countries. So it became impossible for uh, even try to, you know, shoot last year. So we're finally uh, getting ready to uh, get into production with that very soon now that some of the international rules and regulations have you know loosened up a bit starting to loosen um, up a bit so, yeah and, right. and so that's that's a big exciting project for me that i'm very much looking forward to but you know we got creative and uh i kept uh making movies during the pandemic some some other yeah and we will and kind we'll... of fell in my lap Right. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's chat about that. So, but for our, for our viewers and audience or for our viewers and listeners at, at home um, who might not be familiar with your, uh, your, your expansive uh, resume, um, do you want to kind of first give people a little bit of background on how you got into filmmaking and, uh, and then we can start chatting about how some of the different roles are that you've, uh, that you've taken on as the producer and writer and director and, 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 and some advice for, you know, people who are listening that, that might be writers or, or, or filmmakers as well. Yeah, sure thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, it's just, uh, something that I've always wanted to do is, is mm. tell stories. And, uh, and as I grew older, uh, from my childhood, uh, you know, I, I, um, grew with this, uh, dream and goal of becoming a filmmaker. Um, so I was always learning, you know, I, I, kind of figured out from an early age that um, being a filmmaker is about consuming your experiences and, um, you know, your environment and just learning from everything and trying to create a story and tell your story, uh, whichever way you may want to present it. When I first started, you know, my version of filmmaking 
was when I was, as far as I can remember, when I was four or five years old, I used to play video game, you know, Super Nintendo, and I would record myself mm. playing the video game, like, you know, with the VCR, uh, VHS tapes. Um, I took the concept of being able to record what's playing on TV and doing tape-to-tape VCR editing to now recording my games that I'm playing that are being projected on TV and I'm recording them on VHS. And now I'm okay. sharing these with people thinking, look, that's something I'm controlling, this avatar. I'm telling a story and now I have it on VHS like my other movies. So to me, that was like the concept of filmmaking. And as I grew older with, um, you know, developing and maturing my ideas, uh, I started learning more and more about, you know, all the different elements of filmmaking. And so to me, I was always making films. So even when I was a little kid, playing games with friends was like making movies. Um, then I went into um, taking it a step further into my education, you know, and I started as an actor. So I was doing a lot of plays and, and uh, theater groups and uh, went into drama club, obviously. And then in high school, I had the opportunity to really get into production and learn the behind the scenes stuff with a radio and television program that was in my high school. And we were creating different productions for the local cable network. So that gave me a lot more uh, professional experience at an earlier age, even before college, to the point where I knew all the basics of the technical sides of it. Um, So then when I went into college, for me, it was just like, you know, having access to a studio with editing facilities and and cameras and equipments and then a a whole peer group of uh, people that I could collaborate with. So for me, it was like going to work and just making productions and, and kind of intertwining both worlds, my professional uh, working world, along with my education, into just kind of making it a natural part of my life. You know, that was, that was just another part of my life from the beginning to even now. It's, uh, it's what I know and what I do. And, and even in education, when I went to film school, I was learning and taking all kinds of different Uh, classes, you know, film school isn't just about making films. It's all the elements that combine into you being a storyteller and a filmmaker. Uh, You know, I had psychology classes. I had math classes, even algebra and geometry, where people, you know, think, how, why am I going to use this in life? Or why am I learning this? And uh, it's, it's interesting. Every little thing you learn along the way, you can utilize as tools, you know, and I've learned that. And so for me, it's about you know, being a student every day in your everyday life, learning and utilizing those tools that you gather to becoming, you know, a bigger and better, more mature filmmaker. Um, mm. So, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started. And you said, and and you mentioned in a previous interview where uh, you just you finished up your post production of your of your your latest film, Commando, um, which. Um, which I, I can pull it up here on the screen so people can see it on their IMDb. Um, and you, and this was something that you, you, you filmed during COVID it was starring Mickey, uh, uh, Mickey Rourke and uh, Michael J. White. So I guess, so my, my question for you based off of the, uh, the, the COVID restrictions that you said in a previous interview, you had a short net time. Do you see as a filmmaker, 
any um, any logistic implementations that you got during COVID that you um, that you think you'll be um, using more in your you know that that make that filmmaking more streamlined that you want to use in the future? Um, yes, I, I think you know we definitely had to um, adapt uh, many new uh, rules and regulations and and uh, a new formula of how we can streamline some of these productions um, and. I personally think uh, some of it is is good to have in place moving forward, even with or without COVID. You know, just uh, being safer and cleaner on set to where it's protecting, you know, the safety of everyone. Um, and you know, um, to be honest, you know, there have been productions in the past where, you know, I myself have been sick on set you know, from cold or whatever, you know, when you're shooting for long periods of times with a lot of people, someone's bound to get sick, you know, um, but during the COVID times, you know, we had COVID officers who were constantly checking temperatures and making sure people are not sick. And, you know, if one person even had a false uh, positive, we would get shut down. So just being clean and safe and looking out for one another and being more precautious that alone, you know, should have been a standard protocol. You know, it just, it, it, it keeps everyone a lot safer. So that's something definitely moving forward, I think would be a positive factor to have. And how would you describe, cause you've mentioned in a, in a, you've mentioned earlier before that, that you see film as the most collaborative art form. And do you mm -hmm. see, because of that, how much how much information, especially when you write the script, you, you you write the script and you and you produce it and you direct it, how much influence does uh, does the other the, 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 does the rest of the filming crew and the actors have in tweaking and changing some of the thing in process? Um. You know, it depends. Sometimes some actors will only worry about their characters and not the overall story. And me as the director, you know, I have to keep in mind of all factors, you know, every single person's uh, work and, you know, uh, what what they're thinking, their vision, and then bringing it together into this big puzzle as, you know, puzzle pieces to make it work and, and, and create this uh, uh, final picture and tell the story. So um, a lot of times, you know, I have to um, pick and choose of uh, what ideas uh, we can move forward with very carefully um, because just like, you know, any other puzzle, if one piece is off, then you don't have the complete picture. So it's very important that everybody is on the same page, you know, and uh, working towards the same vision Yes, now along the ways, you know, it's our job to um, solve problems. You always have issues come up where maybe you don't have time to get a certain prop that you wanted or uh, you don't have time to, you know, finish construction on the set exactly the way you want it to. Or some actor, you know, something happened and now you have to change things around. So you always have to be ready for, uh, you know, plan A, B, and C to be implemented in when necessary, you know, uh, just have to kind of go with the flow and, and make things work with what you have to work with. So as long as everybody has at least the same mindset and attitude of, 
of working together on, on being able to collaborate to solve problems and move forward um, without it hampering, you know, the work and the, the full show, then I think, you know, it's a lot easier to collaborate with those like-minded people. And, um, you know, and there's more of us than few, you know, whenever we find those uh, like-minded uh, individuals, you know, it's a lot easier for all of us. And uh, so you'll see, I work with a lot of the same people I've worked with in the past and even a lot of the new, you know, we cl uh, uh, connect and, and click right away uh, from day one to be able to know, okay, we can work together in that collaborative form. And then there's sometimes some people that uh, we come across that we haven't worked with before and and maybe it doesn't work out. So, you know, we don't move forward. Or sometimes, you know, from day one you connect and, and you know, it becomes the perfect team. So mm. I'm always open to working with new people uh, as long as, you know, we can connect on the same mind mindset of, of, you know, getting the job done. And so how, how often do you see it happen where you see the an actor or some of the things say, hey, can you change? I don't think that my character would say this. How much editing, because you you did also mention, you know, in a, in a previous interview too, that like you prefer what is natural than being sh strictly sticking to the script. Um, how much rewrites or how much do you do you change the script while the film is being uh, while the film is being made? Um, yeah, a lot of times it depends on the actors also, and okay. and part of my belief of working with actors is that you know they're artists and you know creative talents in their own rights to be able to deliver um, you know their vision as well as long as it helps. To tell the story and sticks with character. Um, a lot of actors like Mickey Rourke, for example, you know, I had a pleasure of working with him on the last film and, and he's, uh, you know, a true actor. He, he can improvise as long as he has the story and character in his head. He will deliver you dialogue that, that only Mickey Rourke can deliver. You know, that's why he's Mickey Rourke. Um, and same thing, you know, with other talented actors, you know, they'll come up with an idea. Sometimes, you know, we do it just like it's written on script one way. And then I'll tell them, you know what, now next take, um, even if the first take is great, let's just go for a safety and try your way, you know, and have an alternative. So now we have both versions to look at in editing. And maybe in editing, it, it, it you know, the one works better than the other, but at least we have a choice. And some actors are open to that. And some actors, you know, uh, sometimes they can't think outside of the box and improvise, you know, but that's okay also, as long as the actor themselves believe in what they're doing and, and the character and what they're saying to be able to make the audience believe it, you know, because they're the, you know, last ones in the face of, of the film to convince the audience that it's real. You know, so if they don't believe in it, you can't make them into robots. You can't force them to say things or do things and make it believable. So to me, at the end of the day, as long as the story is being told, I don't care what they say as long as it also sounds natural and helps move the story forward. And and it's a it's a good point. There's it's always a good sign for a director when you see their actor coming back because I see that that. Uh, 
that he is, as you as you, as you mentioned before, is that Mickey Rourke is also helping you out, and he's going to be an actor in MR9 as well. Yes, uh, he's definitely in MR9, and then also we have another project um, in the future that we're, you know, talking about and, and planning to collaborate on as well. I, I, I'm I'm really curious that we're um, that with with um, that with the you know, coming coming forward because we mentioned before we went on the air that you were a writer in a, a writer producer and, and, and director, and how would you compare being uh, how would you compare uh, the films that you wrote and directed as compared to some of the films that you only directed? Um, how was that different for you? Um, for me. You know, it's very important for me to connect with any film that I direct, you know, and I also mm. produce a lot. And there's been times where I've written for other directors. Um, but in either case, uh, it's important for me to connect with it, uh, with the story and believe in the project that I'm doing. And I always try to find inspiration in, in whatever the subject matter is, especially if I'm directing. I try to find a thread in there that motivates me and inspires me to tell that story. So even if it's someone else's uh, script, I look at it as my own because when I move forward in directing with it, I create a vision um, that also, you know, allows me to get in there and write and, and create and re-edit uh, the whole script uh, my way, you know, so that way, you know, I can also represent my vision. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, an idea that I've conceived or a script I've written or if it's someone else's, you know, I can take that concept and make it my own and find the inspiration to, uh, you know, treat it as if it was uh, my own creation, which it becomes, you know, and a lot of the writers I work with, they're very collaborative as well. So we always work as a team to make it the best project possible. And that's what inspires me is is um, to just, uh, you know, tell the stories that I believe need to be told and that I can relate to and I feel like others can relate to as well. So I don't look at it like, oh, that's my script that I wrote or that's his script. I always look at it as like, okay, that's the story that I chose to tell right now. So I try to make it the best I can. Do you feel as though you have to give a little bit away, like say if you wrote a screenplay and the director didn't shoot it exactly how you saw it? Do you feel as though, I mean, what what platform do you feel as a, as a screenplay writer to say, hey, this is what I was kind of thinking about? Or how does that relationship work in that sense, like that when you have that? In that note, you just, you know, I feel like, uh, and I understand where a lot of other writers come from when right. it's their work that they create originally. But, you know, I've been, uh, you know, lucky enough to be doing this long enough to also understand that it's not all about you and it's not just your film. Even as a director, you know, it's not all about you or even when you're a star, lead actor or whatever you are, at the end of the day, it's all full collaborative. You know, the writer, mm. sure, put it on the page, but at the end of the day, it's what's on screen that matters and and that only happens from that whole collaborative you know effort by everyone in the pipeline um so uh as as a you know writer and understanding that i have no problem of giving up you know that uh exclusivity 
to the next person who's now responsible to direct it and then the next person who's now responsible to shoot it and then edit it you know and then you have the distributors who also make their final calls and decisions you know you can't ever be married to one idea or one you know a vision it's always going to change in someone else's uh, hands down the line when you're doing it professionally now if it's right. a movie you're making that you can claim as your own you don't care what others say or think and and sure you have an audience uh, amongst your friends and family and it can be on the shelf sure but when you're commercially making a film you know uh, professionally uh, it's something that we all have to accept and understand that it's never going to go exactly the way you want to or you say you have to be open to you know things changing and being in other people's hands even the right. films that i write direct produce you know at the end of the day it's the distributor's choice if they wanted to change the title they can go change the title and in fact in different countries sometimes the same movie can have multiple different titles because the right. distributor in that territory decided that would be better you know or they changed the poster sometimes i've had movies where you know they've made my poster to be completely different from what the movie really is you know you, <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with it, but they they think it's more commercial you know so right. hey that's their field that's their expertise let them you know handle that um right. it's like that no matter where you go in the indie level or the studio level uh there's always a chain of command and protocol that you have to just accept yeah. Do you like it? <laughs> do you want? Do you always try to like keep a collection of all your movie posters? Like even the like the the variant versions of the posters. You like to try to collect all those. Yeah. No, I do. Uh, I I try to um, you, you know collect the ones that I personally like. You know, yeah. and uh, there are definitely some that I don't uh, you know want to even see again. So it's kind of funny. And, you know, for me also, I try not to look in the past too much. I'm always, you know, trying to move on and do the next, you know, better project that inspires me to keep moving forward. You know, a lot of times I look at my past projects just for fun. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll watch something from years ago and I'll be like, you know what, I forgot about that. But, you know, now it's pretty fun. I try to look at it from someone else's perspective. You know, because it's so close to it, you, you forget what the experience of watching it as an audience would be like. So I kind of like to forget about my work. And then one day, maybe I come across it, I watch it, and then I look at it differently. And that to me is fun. Oh, so that may, that was gonna that was gonna be a good leading question for me. I was gonna ask you is like all of the movies that you wrote, produced, and directed. Uh, as I said, like Astro, the Commando. Do you have the other ones that are coming up with, you know, Father Nation, Fighter, MR9? Do you for your for your fans and your followers? Do do you ever like put in little Easter eggs, or is it like a uh, a shared universe in a way where do you foresee all your scripts being part of the same, you know, like SCF, you know, universe at all? Um, it's actually, it's actually very interesting that you mentioned that because I actually do. I mean, sometimes in my mind, they are, you know, and, uh, even as I was growing up, that was one of the things that interested me the most is like, uh, 
you know, thinking about all these actors that play different roles in different movies. And in my head, when I was like that three-year-old kid, I would put them all in the same universe somehow, you know, and I would, um, you know, recreate these stories. So I do that even with my own films and ideas and stories. I think about, okay, what if this character from this movie was in that movie and, and somehow we can intertwine it. And I, my wheels are always turning to see how I can incorporate them in my future work, um, but not nothing official yet. And I do have some scripts like that that cross over because I've always loved as a fan of, you know, different TV shows and movies. I've always loved when they did crossovers into universes right. and everything. And then when, when they started doing the Marvel Universe, that was like my dream come true. I've always wanted that as a kid, you know, to happen more and more. Um, so in my own work, yeah, I, absolutely. And, and sometimes I know better to not officially, you know, connect uh, certain, you know, stories and universes together for the audience's sake. But um, that is one of my dreams is to be able to connect, you know, multiple projects of mine into one and then ultimately do one film where all these characters come together and now they're in one film, you know, and, right. and that's something, you know, like hopefully maybe will happen down the road 20 years from now. Right. You know? and, and, I, and I'm curious too, because looking at you have, you know, well over a dozen, you know, you know, looking at, looking at your, your IMD, IMDB profile here. I mean, so, I mean, as you know, you have, you know, almost, you're not, you're knocking on two dozen, you know, movies that you've directed you have well over it and even from you know from a writer perspective over a dozen you've produced almost 40 uh you have 40 credits on that so i guess my 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 question to you is that do you feel as though do you have a genre of film that you prefer or are you being deliberately trying to make sure that you're yeah uh, uh, you increase your resume to make sure that you do multiple things um to be honest with you i i love being able to do um all different genres and mm. and have such a diverse um you know resume uh because i know how easy it can be to get um locked in you know and, and boxed into one particular genre as a filmmaker and for me um from the beginning i knew that you know i needed to be able to tell all kinds of stories and be, um, you know, accepted as a filmmaker that can do, uh, uh, you know, a versatile body of work. And in the beginning of my career, I did a big documentary called Top Priority. And um, I was, you know, getting access to all the studios in Hollywood. And, and uh, we were a runner up uh, to be nominated at the Academy Awards in 2012. And uh, all the publications were writing about me um, becoming like the next Michael Moore. And I saw that. I'm like, no way. You know, I don't want to, you know, all respect to Michael Moore. And I have all respect for documentarians. Wow. But I didn't want to be boxed in as a documentary filmmaker. Right. So then right away I said, look, I don't want to make another documentary for maybe another 10 years. Let me, you know, go and try making other films. And I was making other films. But at that time... That was one of the bigger projects I did that was getting a lot of, um, you know, attention. And so people were already starting to box me in. And so I was able to get out of that um, 
and and be able to you know create a, a vast majority of, of different projects that kind of took me out of it so i'm glad that i didn't get boxed in and i don't plan on so once i make a few action films then i'll go back to making maybe a drama and then a horror and then you know thriller sci-fi uh and i like pushing the boundaries of every genre i do i try to do something i haven't done before or i try to find motivation into you know doing something different with with it even if it's a horror or sci-fi then blending it into subgenres like astro was sci-fi action and right. thriller you know and parts of it had drama so even with commando it it had different subgenres mixed into it where it's not a full on action film it's a you know a psychological thriller action and drama um so i i always try to blend in my experiences from each genre into one to try to create something new mm. so i i'm i'm kind of curious as well as like for for you know we we have a lot of writers that 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 watch and listen to this podcast what would be some advice for any any writers who are interested in working on screenplays what are some of your what's some of the advice that uh, that you would give them that you wish you knew about a dozen years ago when you started doing this oh absolutely i um there's a lot of misconceptions uh when it comes to um writers thinking you know what they need to do to be able to sell their scripts or make it and and um to be honest with you it's one of those things where you just have to write what motivates you to just keep writing i know it's one of the hardest things is to start mm. a new idea on paper you know but once you start it you get past those first couple pages and you see that it has potential for life just keep writing finish it and and once you get the first draft i would say just move on from it you know you have a script now in hand now instead of wasting too much time and thinking too much into that one story and one script you know move on to other um you know ideas and even for a refresher now you know you have a property once you have your idea and story uh in script format on paper now you have a property that can can even be on the shelf and and um ready for a producer um to find the right script that's fitting cuz a lot of times i've noticed writers and even myself i've done this in the past in the beginning where i dwell on one idea and one story and one script and and it goes on for months and years and nothing happens but there's always a producer or someone looking for a different script that may not fit it's all about the right timing with with certain scripts and if you have a a stash of uh different scripts with different stories then your chances of being able to sell that script is a lot higher. A lot of times, you know, when you pitch your script, a producer might uh say, "Okay, well, you know what? Your writing's good, but that's not the concept or or type of script we're looking for now. What else do you have?" So you have to be able to provide, you know, other alternatives in in its place. Otherwise, they're just going to go on to the next writer. You know, um it's all about the timing of the of the product. uh the producer needs whether you approach them or they approach you 
you know, I get every week, you know, we we have inquiries of, um, you know, producers wanting certain types of scripts, uh, action script, okay, but it has to be this certain way, or a horror script, and it has to be this certain way, and then, you know, if you have a script that's not that, but it could be, then you go back to, you know, revising it or, you know, bringing it to the table to see how you can make it work. But if you spend too much time uh, on one script after the first draft when it doesn't have, you know, any any solid, you know, potential deals in place, then you're just, you know, spinning the wheel and going around in mm. circles. Um, but if you have someone who comes to you and says, you know, I want that script, it's a done deal, but you need to revise it then you can go back and go into draft two, draft three, draft four, or if you have a particular actor you want to get on board to package that script, and that right. actor has some notes to give you to revise it, then you can go and revise and make a draft two. But without having any solid movement um, you know, with that idea, it's not a good idea to just keep spending time and trying to perfect it when you don't really know what perfect is for that script you know so i would just say use utilize that time to move on and and build uh you know more scripts uh, in the lineup right so that's really good. so do you want to talk so commando is is in post-production right now um where where can people see this movie once it's once it's released um, it's actually uh, going to be releasing later this year, I was told, um, okay. around maybe fall or, or later, but uh, there is a studio in place for it. I'm just not allowed to share that yet, okay. but it will be a studio release and it'll be, uh, you know, I think if, if the theaters are still, you know, opening up more and more, then uh, there's potential of it also getting a theatrical release. So, Okay. Um, I'm sure we'll get more details and they'll be making a trailer and everything coming up soon. So um, some of those things sometimes, you know, with the bigger films, I'm more in the dark than, you know, some of the audience, you know, sometimes they, uh, they tend to know when, when a trailer comes out, even before me, you know, and I'll oh, find really? out from someone <laughs> sending the link. Yeah. So, so what would you, what would you say? Um, and, and as you say, you have, you have some things listed on your thing. There's, a, you have a lot of things in pre-production. How do you balance, you know, as, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, how, how do you balance different projects at the same time? Do you have to go to, you know, get up to a certain point with rum project before you can start another one? How does that work? How do you manage your time in that sense? Um, yeah, it's it's actually getting more and more difficult as we go. There's times when I'm uh, having to deal with um, you know four or five different productions and different stages in the same day and trying to schedule that out um, because you know I'm writing, I'm producing, I'm directing, then I'm in post. Um, so I just have to you know uh, kind of map out a time frame to spend on each project per day you know and and a lot of times i get less sleep than i want to and, and almost no sleep sometimes and then you know sometimes i just have to be able to shut myself off there are days where i'm like you know what it's i just for my own sake i need to refresh my head and just shut off for five hours from all of it and then i go and i you know come back and make a list and i say okay now i gotta tackle this i prioritize which ones you know the next in line uh, to be delivered, 
you know, it's all about the delivery on, uh, on, on each project. Sometimes, you know, they intertwine and they become, you know, on the same level of the priority list. And then that's when I start really losing sleep, you know, but um, the, the best way is to just uh, map out, try not to, you know, do multiple projects uh, or worry about multiple projects in the same hour. You know, I'll say, okay, this, the next two, three hours, I'll be thinking about this project, only talking to people that are associated with this project. Then I'll say, okay, in between, I'll take a half hour break and then I'll go into the next project with those sets of groups. And sometimes, you know, we have to intertwine them, you know, when they're the same group of people. And, and that gets to be depending on what kind of a project it is. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's hectic. Um, but also, it's, it's just about going with the flow again, like having uh, that mindset and attitude of, you know, being ready to take on whatever comes your way. Because sometimes, you know, I'm dealing with one project and I get a phone call uh, from another project saying, okay, this is an emergency. This is what happened. You know, we need to deal with this now. So then you have to be able to change gears. And a lot of it comes with experience. You mature more and more. The more projects you do, the more people you work with, you start creating a formula that becomes more second nature and natural where, you know, now I don't panic if something goes wrong. You know, I just, you know, assess it. Uh, on how to solve the problem the fastest and best way. Right. Yeah. And it, and, it, and also, too, I mean, that's amazing. You're talking about it. It's just like being able to manage manage that time and just having some of those sleepless nights. And, um, you know, yeah. I'm sure having a, you know, being a new dad, too, with a 10-month-old that's kind of having having And she has I, her own schedule as well that you yeah you know that you have a six-month-old yeah yeah do you got it so i mean because at 10 months she's oh it's uh crawling around you have to put like all the outlet protectors on and all that kind of fun stuff too and yeah and, and she she also has like her own little play yard gate you know like a big one in our uh, living room and so she's kind of like caged in in her own area sometimes <laughs> and uh and, and it's it's fun, but she's yeah walking around like starting to hold and stand up and kind of walk, yeah. you know. Um, and but every day it's something new, you know. And and that's like a full time job. And I'm blessed yeah, with man. a wonderful wife that's you know, helping yeah. full time, just being the mom. And, and man, so I don't, yeah, I'm you know. I'm, I'm impressed with see with your yeah. I'm impressed with your energy. I mean, being a you know having like a you know yeah. With a with a baby in the house, and then you know, working on you have three projects in pre production now. At least that's listed on IMDb. That's not talking about all the other stuff that you're doing besides that, because of of uh, everything else that you're yeah, working on the other projects. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're knocking at the end of the hour. I see. So where can people find you if they want to kind of follow you? I know you have a pretty active Instagram account. Is there any other places people can look for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm not too active on social media where I post a lot, but I'm accessible. You know, right. people reach out to me every day through email or, you know, on my IMDb, you can find my contact. Um, you know, and, and I love to hear feedback from people on, you know, what they think and at the same time, uh, you know, what they learn from 
my experiences that I can share. I love, you know, doing these kinds of shows uh, with people like yourself so I can share some of uh, the do's and don'ts that I've gone through with a lot of, you know, aspiring filmmakers and and even the audience. I don't uh, tend to hold back too much when I speak because um, I know there's someone listening out there that can, you know, get something good out of it in their own journey, you know, because it's such a difficult, um, you know, life that we choose and profession to be in this business. Um, It it breaks people. And I've seen it down the road. A lot of my friends, you know, along the way, um, even, you know, people I've worked with for years, all of a sudden I see them break because one thing goes wrong or it doesn't go the way they plan. The thing is you can't really plan things in this business. You have to be able to um, know how to handle, you know, each problem as they come your way. And for me, you know, the more I've listened to others share their stories and experiences with me and kind of, you know, learn from their mistakes, you know, that's saved me a lot from, you know, making bigger mistakes. Uh, So I just want to, you know, be able to share that as well as, you know, my work that I love to share with the audience. Right. Perfect. Right. Well, thank you. So thank you very much, Asit. This has been a a, a true pleasure. And yeah, come back. Come back anytime. This has been great. I'd love to. And uh, hopefully next time I'll my my uh, safari will be updated so we won't have the audio issues. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's fine. Perfect. All right. Thank you. I had, you know, and here, you know, I, I was telling, I was, I was doing, I was on a, and I was on another podcast. I do with some friends that talk about board games and, and, and board games and role-playing games. And they had, and I was telling them, so I don't know, you could correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I have a theory that movie posters that were made pre-pandemic for movies that were supposed to come out, like movie theater are probably going to be a huge collector's item in the next few years. Oh yeah. No, no. I, I, I think, you know, overall, you know, throughout, uh, you know, the last few decades, um, I, I, I've noticed because I used to be a, a movie poster collector myself uh, back in high school. You know, I used to actually work at a movie theater and right. I had the advantage of being able to, you know, get a copy of each of the movies that we would play. And I've noticed a pattern like with like each decade, there's like a theme type of a, a, a pattern of a lot of the posters being similar in design and concept it's like uh like every decade has their own thing and now we're just entering into you know 2021 it's going to start changing naturally and uh you know everything else in the past will start becoming more and more of a collector's item Right, I got it. Yeah, and I got it because of the the movies that never came out. Like we have like a whole row of movies that never actually came out in the theaters that are now. Yeah, and they feel like classics already. You know, like yeah. I, remember, I I'm like the other day I just saw a trailer of for Black Widow. You know, Marvel's Black Widow, and yeah. they're promoting it. You know, coming out soon. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought that movie already came out like two <laughs> ago. But then I realized, oh no. It got delayed. It was one of those that got delayed for the right. pandemic. So 
Yeah, and, and it's creating a very interesting situation in our industry where there are a lot of big studio films that have been on hold, even like the new James Bond coming out, where if it was originally released last year, right now they would have been planning the next new James Bond, you know, with the whole right. revival. But now, you know, with that being pushed, there are other films that have been, you know, filming during even the pandemic, you know, I mean, people are creative. That's what we do. We figure out ways and solve problems to make things happen. And so there's a batch of all these older films, including a lot of big studio films and some indies that have been on like a waiting list. And then there's a batch of all these brand new films that are coming out um, in production or that has been in production through the pandemic and now we're getting ready getting to ready be in the release you know, line. So it's, um, right. it, it, it's interesting because now it's actually paving the way to have the indies and the studios kind of compete for the slots, you know, the theater space or even like the release dates. So right. uh, it, it'll just be an overall, I think, new and new, new wave of business uh, coming up. All right, let me get ready. Let me do our. Let me throw in my intro real quick, and sure. then we'll we'll get down to the to the meat of the program. So, um, oh, I thought that was part of the program. Oh no, I got to do my intro first. I oh, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll probably throw this in, and then, and uh, I'm excited because this is the first time I've actually had somebody um, who edits. So you can actually that that you can you can critique my editing my my editing work. You know when I do this in posts after. So. Oh, okay. cool. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. All right. 